Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Shut him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of It's Wednesday, December 6, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Jesko. And Chet, the Eagles kind of let us down on Sunday with uh, going out to Seattle, played a little bit of a sloppy game, and uh, let one get away from them out on the road. Yeah, they did. I mean, we can talk a, a lot about that, and we will, but very disappointing night. I had them, not as a lock, but pretty safe bet to win the game. Didn't happen. There were a multitude of reasons why. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. Yeah, we sure will. And uh, But we're going to talk uh, about one of your favorite things tonight, Chet. We're going to talk Sixers with Phillies.com Sixers beat writer Keith Pompey, which will certainly be great. Keith was on the spot with everything he told us uh that would happen with the Sixers the last time he was with us. Yeah, Keith knows his stuff for sure. And we're curious to get his take on the dynamic duo of Embiid and Simmons, whether Joel really could be another wilt, as Sonny Hill suggested over the weekend, whether getting T.J. McConnell back this week will be a big positive. And, of course, Keith's take on if the Sixers could actually make some noise in the spring in terms of the playoffs. Yeah, that's uh, all good questions. I've got a handful of them for you myself uh, that I'm looking forward to. Keith's going to be a great guest, and uh, we're going to get to him about 7.10. He'll be joining us. But between now and then, let's talk about a little bit of Eagles. Yeah, uh, what went down Sunday night probably make, made a lot of people not real happy. I mean, what Eagles fan could be pleased with that game? The Eagles were favored for a reason. They're having a terrific season. But they did not do a whole lot of things right Sunday evening. Penalties at inappropriate times, a couple of overthrows by Carson Wentz that could have been huge plays, a lack of success in the red zone, very uncharacteristic for this team this season. The real blow, of course, that fumble in the red zone inside the one, in fact, by number 11, who, aside from that amazing early fourth quarter drive, did not have one of his better games. No, he didn't. Uh, You know, but I'm going to say that you – partner are far more upset about this game than I well nobody likes to lose especially a game that you think you're going to win and you hate to see some preventable mistakes that holding penalty by Alshon Jeffrey um some of the overthrows you know I I don't know if it was just the mechanics or what but He's got to do a better job there. I'm not going to fault Wentz on the fumble. That, that kind of stuff's going to happen every once in a while, although he does have some uh, trouble protecting the ball. He leads the league in fumbles over the last two seasons. So I, maybe I am more upset than you because I think some of those mistakes were preventable. Well, they were, but I think uh, I kind of looked at it, and I picked the Eagles as well, and I, I thought they would go out there and take care of business. I thought Carson Wentz would go out there and play better. Um but I think if you're going to lose a game, you go out there to a very hostile environment. It was as bad as uh, we probably thought it was going to be. And Russell Wilson played one heck of a football game. The Eagles' defense chased him all over the place. Any other quarterback, they probably have six or eight sacks that he prevented uh, by running all over the place. And he he played an outstanding game, and, and he made plays. I, I don't uh, – although the Eagles made a lot of mistakes that could have won the game – I think the Seahawks won the game. Yeah, Wilson's the real deal for sure. I mean, he's won a Super Bowl, and he doesn't have a whole lot of talent around him this year. The offensive line is not great. They don't really have much of a running game. They did get a couple of nice uh, runs the other night. Um, Doug Baldwin still 
pretty good guy, pass catcher. Um, yeah, Wilson made a lot of plays that you thought you might be able to stop him with. You thought you might sack him a few times. I think they got to him twice. That was it. Um, he's a hell of a player and certainly an MVP candidate, just like Carson Wentz. And Sunday night, it was Wilson by far who had the better game. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, if there's one big takeaway for me in this game, uh, you mentioned plenty. Uh, but the one thing that you didn't mention that I, I think my biggest takeaway is, is Carson Wentz missed. Uh, blitz situations, he did not pick up the blitz man. He didn't see him coming. They they were giveaway blitzes. You could you could see him. He didn't see him apparently, or he didn't have the hot routes set up to hit short receivers, um, and ended up getting sacked and having problems. To me, that's his biggest learning takeaway from this game. Not the fact he missed receivers. He, he you know that happens. But uh, missing reads, that's, that's a learning experience. Yeah, it is, and we hope he does learn from it. I mean, he's had success picking up those blitzes a lot of times this year. We, you know, we hear him do the kill, kill, and go to another play. So um, we're just going to put this one in the books as a bad game. I want to ask you something, though. I was listening to WIP while uh, driving around today, and John Ritchie, himself a former fullback, um, was complaining about the Eagles' use of the running backs right now. He thinks they should be using Jay Ajayi more rather than the uh, you know trifecta, the the three-headed monster that they're using right now. What do you think? Should they be going more to Ajayi, or do you like the running back by committee approach? Well, it's funny you mention that because I was going to mention that to you a little bit later when we get back to the Eagles in the in the later part of the show. I was going to bring that up um, and, and ask you the same thing. I. I think they need to start going more to one guy as the season goes on. And, and you know, I don't know it's a Jai. You know, I, I, I don't know that it's not Corey Clements at times. Um, they're they're yeah. all playing well, uh, but most running backs will tell you, the great ones, until they get to about 20 carries, they're not warmed up yet. And these guys are getting yeah. somewhere from 3 to 8 to 12 or something. They're not getting many. So I think every one of them will tell you, we're not getting the ball enough to even get, get loose and get a good sweat going. Yeah, I think Sunday night, uh, Blunt and um, Ajayi had like nine and eight carries. That was it. One had nine, one had eight. So neither of them is showing to be a real workhorse, and that's Doug Peterson's call, obviously. I don't know what the better approach is. Obviously, if you have one stud, he's going to be the guy you go to. But all three of these guys are good I don't know that any of them yet is great, but I do like that they all contribute. I mean, we didn't complain too much about it when they were winning nine in a row, but now that you lose a game, you think, well, you know, maybe that's something they could do different. So I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer is. Well, I, I think, uh, again, you could, you could pick a million things apart here after this loss. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to chalk it up as a loss. And uh, <clears throat> a lot of opportunities to learn, and uh, I'm not. I'm not going to panic. I'm certainly not going to panic. I'm not going to panic. But if they lose on Sunday, there might be a little bit of uh, panic setting in for a lot of people, and certainly some serious concern on my part. Because you lose Sunday to the Rams, then you're probably going to be knocked out at least temporarily of that first-round buy, and I want to see them get a first-round buy because I like the fact that they would have the week off. I like the fact that, you know, everybody else is chasing them, so I really want them to have either the first or second seed, and if you lose this Sunday, that's going to be in real jeopardy. Well, I think they'll come back and play, uh, play pretty solid football. I think they're going, to, they're going to play better. It's not going to be – let's talk about that. It's not going to be the environment they had in, in Seattle – there's a concern. Well, first of all, they got wildfires in Los Angeles. That's one concern. But the second concern is that the, the stadium is going to be taken over by Eagles fans. Yeah, it is. There's going to be, I'm going to say, at least 10,000, maybe more Eagles fans there. Um, WIP and company, Angelo and the gang, have a big troop going out there. I think it's something 14 or 1,500 people with that trip alone then you have you know people from all around the country going out there they know that tickets are readily readily available because there's not a whole lot of rams fans out there anymore so uh yeah there, there's going to be at least a third maybe closer to a half of uh eagle stadium there i think yeah 
and and that'll be good. They'll they'll show up and they'll be ready to go. And uh, the Eagles will play this game like a home game. I, I expect them to come out and play really well. I think they, uh, you know, they didn't uh, have their best showing the other night, and I think they're, they'll bounce back. I think they're uh, that good of a team. Hey, before we get away, though, I do want to ask you about one other Seahawk. What'd you think about the play of that Bobby Wagner at middle linebacker? Holy cow! Yeah, he certainly made an impression. Very, very talented guy, and they called his name quite a bit the other night. So the Eagles certainly know who he is now. Yeah, and and you know the interesting thing about that they they isolated him on that one draw play, and uh, he didn't get fooled for even a second. And you know he read he read the draw. He made a great tackle in the backfield. On, on a play that uh, looked like a pretty good play call at that time, but but the linebacker didn't budge, did a great job on, on doing his assignment. Yep, and we're going to talk more Eagles later, but I think we're going to switch it up right now and talk a little bit of uh, basketball, assuming that we uh, have our guest on the line. Let's see. Hey, how you doing? All hey, right. Keith. Keith Pompey joining us. Hey, Keith, welcome welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Last time we had you here, you were dead on the money with just about everything you predicted came true right about draft time. And uh, we're, we're sure you've got some more words of wisdom for us tonight. Yeah, yeah. I just want to just bear with me because I'm, I'm, I have a cold, but I, I still wanted to make the show. So my wife even woke me up like a half an hour ago, 40 minutes ago, to make sure I was ready to go. Come on. Well, we appreciate it. That's for sure. Yeah, Yeah, Keith, this is Chet, and I do thank you for agreeing to make this return visit with us. I know that, as you said, you've been under the weather the last few days, so we'll go easy on you tonight. Now, first thing, Keith, the the Sixers lost a game Monday night to a not-real-good Phoenix Suns team because, according to Joel Embiid, the Sixers took the Suns lightly. I know the Sixers are better this year, but what exactly have they accomplished that they can take any team lightly? You know what? Really, um, I, I guess nothing. I mean, if you really want to, you know, get down to the to it. I mean, and it's funny. Excuse me. It's funny. Uh, this game kind of reminded me of when they played the Sacramento Kings, and you know, they played the Kings. I think they won five in a row that time, and everyone was singing the '76ers' praise. And going into that game, we were in Sacramento. I remember telling people within the organization. I said, I think you guys are going to lose this game. And they all thought I was crazy. And the reason why I said that is because this is a young team. They start getting a lot of attention. Like ESPN was embedded with the team. Sports Illustrated was there. And a lot of people were there, and they were hyping the Sixers up, and they lost. And the same thing happened when the Phoenix Suns came to town. Like people were saying, okay, there are three losses since that Sacramento Kings lost or four losses, but it was the three teams, two to Golden State, one to Boston, and one to uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And everyone was hyping the team up. And I think, like Joel said, they took them lightly, and they have to realize that every game is an NBA game, and you have to stop reading your clipping. So that's what it is. I mean, granted, this team is so much better than the teams of the past. However, have to know that they have to come ready to play all the time. You can't turn it second half. You have to come ready to play all the time. And that's what killed them in both games. Well, Keith, as it sits right now, we're 24 games into the season, uh, presently in fifth overall position, uh, but on pace to win somewhere around 48, maybe 49 games if they could get it going. Uh, how surprised are you that they're playing that well? You know what? I, I am surprised that they are playing well. Um, you know, and, and I shouldn't say surprised that they're playing well. I, what I should say is Ben Simmons is better than I thought. You know, I thought that when they said he was going to be a point guard, I thought it was like, you know, it was going to be a gimmick where they have him bring the ball up, but then on defense he would guard power forwards. But, no, he's a point guard. I mean, you know, a lot of games – He's guarding opposing point guards. You know, he's doing everything. He's proven that, you know, he can get to the rim without having a great jump shot. You know, he, he, he beats guys to the spot when they go under in a pick and roll. So, 
We all know that Embiid is healthy, is one of the best players in the league. What we didn't know is if Ben Simmons could pull off becoming a point guard, and he has. So that's what really surprised me. Yeah, Keith, he's been very impressive for sure. A potential double-double most games, occasionally a potential triple-double. If he does improve his outside shot and his free throw shooting, he could be pretty amazing. Um, How good can he be? I mean, what is his upside? You know, I think he could be one of the, you know, one of the, I think he can be an all-star type player. Um, you know, if you look at his statistics, and, and sometimes statistics can be misleading, but if you look at what he's doing, it, it's kind of like mind-boggling. You know, um, I, I think that, you know, right now that Joel Embiid is the best player on the team. I think that he is going to be the Michael Jordan where, Ben Simmons is going to be the Dennis Rodman. I mean, excuse me, the Scott Pippen to the team. So, um, but when you look at it, he's a transcendent type of guy. I mean, he's 6'10". He can get out. He can go. He can do a lot of different things. And once he develops a jump shot, he's going to be hard to stop. You know, but, um, you know, I, I think the sky's the limit. Now, the one thing is he still has a ways to go, and that that, that became obvious when they went up against the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James just destroyed them. And in a way, I think that was kind of good because it let him know that, yes, I'm good, but in order for me to be considered a great player, I have a lot of improvement to do. So I think that he's going to, at the end of the day, he's going to be, you know, one of the guys who may even get a, you know, uh, his, his, his uh, number 25 retired for the Sixers. Wow. Well, Keith, we you know we we talked about this uh, with one of our previous guests, and I, so I'm going to ask you the same question. Basically, last year we went from five, six, or seven guys that could score ten to twelve to fourteen points a game, and now we've got two twenty-plus guys, and then some other guys. Are we okay with uh, this becoming a, more of a two-man team than a uh, spread-out team like they were? Well, here's the problem. You know, the 76ers, if you look at the games that they lost, right, um, you know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, for the most part, got there. You know, they, they, they produced. They, but, you know, the guys who really have been inconsistent in the losses, you would have to say is Jay Reddick and Robert Covington. They have to yep. shore that up. You know, they have to shore that up because it's going to come to a point in time where people are going to say, and they're probably doing it now, we're going to let them get theirs, but we know that the 76ers do very well in shooting threes, right? And if we can take these two guys out of the game, the next thing you know, yeah, we'll give up 30 to Embiid and we'll give up 26 to Ben Simmons, but we're still going to beat them. So they need to have a third consistent score. I mean, you know, you can't be hot and cold. You have to be a consistent score for this team to, to win games and for this team to make the playoffs. Hey, Keith, speaking of Joel Embiid, a uh, two-part question. First of all, will we see him play back-to-back games at some point? And secondly, what did you think about Sonny Hill last weekend mentioning Joel Embiid in the same breath with Keith uh, Will Chamberlain? You know, um, wow. Uh, first, as far as the back-to-back game, you know, Joel said that, um, he's on pace to do that in either in, in January or February. And all that depends on what his conditioning is like and if, if you know, playing better. He said that. You know, when um, when Sonny said that, Mr. Hill, I was a little, you know, shocked at first. I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then I guess when you – but then with the more that he talked and the more he said stuff, you know, he also talked about – you know, this is a guy who's only been around organized basketball for six years, and that's, you know, including this year, right, you know, six years. So he's talking about the upside he has, and he's also, I believe, talking about how he can do things that Wilt, like, you know, when Wilt did stuff, it was like a first, you know what I mean? Like, at that time, people didn't see it, you know what I mean? So I think when he meant that, you know, I think he meant, like, you know, this guy is going to take the game to a different level. You know, when you think of it, a big who can hit threes, a guy seven two, 
you know, 280 pounds, who, you know, basically scored 46 points against the Lakers, what he meant, you know, by that. Um, but, you know, to say that some, even just to put someone in that type, type of category speaks for the type of respect that, you know, Sonny Hill has for him. Because whenever I talk to Sonny Hill about players, he's always like, no, 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 don't compare him. You can't compare him. So for him to <laughs> say that, it like, shocked me for the respect that he has for him. Uh, well, Keith, what do you think? Uh, well, first of all, what's the status of Markel Fultz, and and how would you see him if he were healthy and playing every night? How would you see him fitting into this mix? Well, the Sixers are going to have again. I've been out of it a little bit the last couple of days, so I haven't been around the way I should. My my coworkers have, but the Sixers are going to make an announcement either tomorrow or the next day on Markel Fultz. Um, you know, ideally with the Sixers, this is what the Sixers really want to do. Brett Brown doesn't want to throw him out there just for the sake of throwing him out. He really now, he you know, his shoulder is getting better. Um, but what they want to do is they want to make sure he passes the eye test with his shot, you know, and then the coach will throw him out there. Um, in regards to him fitting in, you know, in an ideal world, it would be one of those things where, you know, he could – you know, take some of the stress and some of the pressure off the of Ben Simmons, right? But the Sixers have a lot of soul searching to do, or or I shouldn't say soul searching, but they have to be careful because, you know, right now everything is clicking. And when you bring another guy in, you know, who is going to be a great player for the team down the road, but if you're bringing him in, he has to get the rhythm with his teammates. You know what I mean? And it's not like in the years past where the team was tanking. Right now they're trying to win. So I think that if you want to bring him in, once he gets up to speed, you have to gradually implement him in the offense or in the system and then hope and pray at the latter stage of the, of the season where you can give them some quality minutes because I just don't want them to disrupt everything that they're doing right now. You know, it just seems like, you know, when you talk about Ben Simmons, he is a special player. And, you know, he does have to develop his jump shot. But a, a big part of the 76ers losing to the Phoenix Suns was that they didn't have T.J. McConnell's leadership on the floor. And T.J. McConnell, whenever it seems like whenever he gets a lot of minutes, the team does well. So then all of a sudden you're going to take his minutes from him to get somebody else in there. You know what I mean? I think that that might disrupt the team's chemistry a little bit. Keith, you just stole my thunder. That was going to be my next question. Uh, T.J. McConnell, as you said, he returns to action for Thursday night's matchup against the Lakers. And, yeah, some people will snicker, but I think that T.J. is an important piece to the team's fortunes. Do you agree? Oh, big time. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of people don't want to give T.J. McConnell a lot of credit. I mean, I know, like, last year when they went on that, that big run, in January, a lot of people were saying Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid. But people forget they started in December. DJ supplanted Sergio Rodriguez as the starting point guard. And then they won like two games in December. And then they went on that run in January. And it's just one of these type things like when TJ is in there, you know, he puts pressure on the defense with his penetrating, his dribble drive. And then he kicks the ball out. Sometimes he, 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 you know, he, the guys like playing with him because he always gives them the ball in the right spot. Like he's a, a pass first point guard. So I think that TJ and, and, and TJ is very important to the scene's success. Not only that, he plays with an edge. You know, TJ McConnell, you know, was an undrafted player. He wasn't a highly recruited player coming out of high school going to college. So whenever he goes up against other point guards, it's one of these things where he's always trying to prove himself. He's always trying to go at them hard. And, you know, the Sixers need that edge. I mean, he's the type of guy, he doesn't take anyone lightly. He's always coming at you. And I think he is very vital to the team's success. I agree. Me too. Hey, Keith, Jaleel Okafor, still sitting down there on the end of the bench. Um, is Have they devalued him to the point now that they couldn't even get anything for him if they tried to move him? And, and where where can that whole mess end? Yeah, it's a, it's a bad situation um, for both parties. Well, 
you know, I think if, if they had to do it all over again, you know, when you think back to not this draft, but last year's draft when the Boston Celtics went, were, were willing to give up the third pick for him, I think the Sixers would have, you know, traded him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Back then, because right now you're not going to get a first-round pick. You know, there's some reports saying that they went two second-round picks for him. Um, or, but, you know, when you think of it, he was the third overall pick of the draft two, three years ago, and now you're probably not going to get anything from him, for him. Um, so with that being said, it, it's really devalued. Now, the problem is with the Sixers is that, you know, here you go. We talked about the Boston Celtics situation, right? If the Sixers bored them out, let's just say they said, okay, it's not working out. We feel sorry for this guy. He's going to end up going to Boston because Boston has $8 million to hand over to him. And they all know mm. that. And, then, and when you factor that in, let's just say, think about this. So you're the Sixers. You could have traded him two years ago to the Celtics and got the number three pick and possibly a player, an additional player, right? But you held on to him. And then this year, you traded with the Boston Celtics for the move up to get Markel Falk. Jason Tatum's look like he's, you know, you know, he's great. I mean, he's playing extremely well, right? So then all of a sudden, you just hand over Jato Okafor to the Boston Celtics. You know, the Sixers will look crazy. So they don't want to do that. But at the same time, the organization doesn't look good because some people think they're holding Jalo Okafor hostage. So it's just a bad situation overall. And then you think about it, you say, well, why don't you play him? Well, they're not thinking anymore. Brett Brown wants to win, and he feels as if that, you know, I have Joel Embiid, who's a great offensive player. He's a better defensive player. So my backup has to be somebody who's going to be a role player and someone who's going to play solid D. And that's just not Okafor's game. So Brett Brown, you know, he wants to win. So it's, it's, it's just it's a crazy situation. I feel bad for him, and but I understand where the 76ers are coming from. Keith, I have two final questions, and we'll let you go. Um, Sixers right now, as we speak, are 13-10. and 10. I predicted 43 wins this year and a fifth or sixth seed. Bill the Pessimist at 37 wins. What do you see right now? How many wins, and what about the playoffs? You know, it's, I'm, I'm starting – well <laughs> – I will say that the Sixers have played a whole lot better than I thought early on, and now I'm getting a little critical of them because I'm thinking, like, you know, you should have won that game. So I'm thinking around maybe 40 wins. Um, I I think that they will probably end up as the eighth seed in the playoffs. I think that we'll learn a whole lot more about the 76ers after this, like they play the Lakers and then they go on a three-game road trip with Cleveland, the Pelicans, and then the, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll learn a lot about that team then. You know, they could be the AC. They could drop to the AC if they get three straight losses. So, you know, we'll find a lot about them. I think that they'll probably win around 40, 41 games. I think you're too low, but that's okay. Uh, Keith, just one other thing I need to ask you. True or false, you're a fan of the New York football Giants. And if true, what the heck is going on with that franchise? Yeah, it's true. I've been a Giants <laughs> since I was a um, kid. Hey, man. I, hey, but it was a good day a couple of days ago. They're heading into, a, into the right direction. New leadership. But, no, nah, it's just a crazy situation. I, I think that the Giants messed up when they didn't go. They didn't like go after offensive linemen in the in the off season, you know. And and you look at it, they didn't have a running game, so everything was all about the passing game. But you Eli couldn't get the ball out, um, or get the ball off. And you're passing to receivers. All the receivers are hurt, and then everything just went downhill. Yep. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> Well, hey, Keith, since Chet and I are going to play good cop, bad cop, he went bad cop with the Giants. I'm going to go good cop. What about those pit Panthers for you to close out on here tonight? Yeah, that's right, y'all. What about my pit Panthers? Yeah. <laughs> <That was a> good... <laughs> you know, that was a good uh, 
the only thing is I said to, uh, you know, I said to, like, my buddy, I said, man, it's a shame they didn't do that earlier. I <laughs> mean, because, like, I went to I, – I always try to go to the season opener because that's right before basketball season starts. And, you know, I'm looking at it, and, like, they tied Youngstown State in overtime. No, they beat Youngstown State in overtime. And I'm saying to myself, wow, we can only beat a one double-A school in overtime? But, yeah, that was a great <laughs> win to beat Miami. But then it didn't look so good after Miami uh, was crushed by Clemson. <laughs> but well, but Maybe hey, that's because Pitt put the crushing on them. What do you think? Yeah, I hope so. I hope that's what it was. I hope that's what it was. Good way, good comeback for me. <laughs> there you go. All right, Keith. Well, hey, thanks for stopping by. We hope you feel better, and, and we certainly appreciate you taking the time. Always great stuff. All right, thanks, man. I'm going to go right back to bed. <laughs> All right, okay, appreciate you. Bye. All right. Let's take a break now. Allow me to tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, Pennsylvania. Always a fun time at the Irish Rover. Great dinners, steak, chicken, ribs, you name it. Seven or eight varieties of burgers. Awesome sandwiches and wraps, not to mention superb gourmet wings. A new express lunch menu, too. This Saturday night, the band Stem Live is at the Rover. Sunday, watch the Eagles knock off the Rams on the Rover's many big TVs. And next Wednesday, the 13th, it is an ugly sweater party at the Rover. I have plenty that would qualify. Play Quizzo and enjoy the Miller Lite specials, too, on Wednesday. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Is that is that for the Eagles fans headed west? Is is that you can take it however you want. You can call Jared Goff maybe an LA woman. No, nah, that's mean. That's just mean. I don't know. I just like the song LA woman, the doors. How can you go wrong? Uh, all right. <laughs> well, I don't hear any other music, so tell me what's going on. Well, I think we have Fred, and we can play a little music for Fred, too, because it is the final week for fantasy football, I believe. So let's get our guest on the line. There you go. It's time to welcome our fantasy football guru, Fred Hugo, back to the show. Fred, welcome. Hey, what's up, guys? Playoff time, fantasy playoff time. Hey, Fred. Yep. Yeah, tell us what it's about. This is your last week talking fantasy football, so you have any playoff advice, or uh, how, how's it all work now when there's still plenty of regular season left? So you, you just keep doing what you're doing. If, you, if, you, if your roster is obviously good enough to make the playoffs, sometimes you, you squeak in, but what, what, what the main advice is don't do what you've been doing. Don't start trying to – tweak things or star players, stick with your stars, play your star players that have been consistently scoring. Don't get too caught up in the matchups. A lot of times, like, for example, if you have Julio Jones, let's say, and he has a, a tough matchup against a defense or, or Antonio Brown against a don't, – don't start thinking about sitting him because the defense is tough. Just go with the guys that got you there. And then other than that, just kind of look at the waiver wire and try to – if you have an opportunity to pick someone up that, that that comes available due to injury to a starter in the league, even if even if say you're strong at a certain position and that player comes available, you would you would try to grab that player just to put on your bench to stop from someone else grabbing them because you would potentially have to play them. So it's basically do what you've been doing and and um, and try to add a player if possible if they, if they come available. So, Fred, are we doing the play one, sit one this week or not because it's playoffs? Nah, we, I, I thought we don't have to do that this week because, um, I mean, basically now everyone that's in there has pretty much their, yep. their star guys. They're not really looking for – I'll post one up on fredandbutter.com, um, but as far as the, the players that are – I mean, you, you, you pretty much have star players right now. So the, the star one, sit gotcha. one is more – you know, fill in guys here and there that, that you probably would need more advice on where it probably well, I do have another question. people at this point. Yeah, Fred, I, any ahead, huge Ted, surprises? I have a question as well. Well, let me get this one in. Any huge surprises this season, Fred, in terms of fantasy performers? Who are the surprising standouts? Uh, Alvin Kamara is one of the, the most surprising ones. Um, you, If you went through the draft in the beginning, he was maybe a sleeper, but you would, he's a, like a top – 
I don't, top two back, top three back. If you take out even the first the, the first three weeks of the season, he's probably my biggest surprise. You knew he he may be solid and, and get you some points, but he he's a he's a the top running back to, to have really, and he's the number two guy on his team, which is very surprising. Um, Kareem Hunt wasn't much of a well, well the injury to Spencer Ware in the beginning of the year, um, him coming alive that that was a a big big surprise for him to to blow the doors off the way they did, but he started starting to fade off. Um, at the quarterback position, uh, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, they're, they're big surprises. They, not that you didn't think they would be good. Well, Goff is a real big surprise, but not that you didn't think Wentz was going to be a good quarterback, but he was putting up 30, 40-point 30, games, you know, like star power, you know, star star points. That, that was very unexpected. Um, tight end position, you know, there, there's there's always those rookies. Evan Ingram of the Giants had a couple good weeks. You know, there's a bunch of players that always emerge, and when you can jump and grab those players, it really really helps your team. You know, if you get a if you pick up an Alvin Kamara in, in week six or whenever he started to get good, I mean, you basically have a top top running back for the rest of the year, and it, it really can put you into a good position to win your league. I hear you. Hey, I have one other fantasy question, Fred. Uh, Sophia Vergara or Kate Upton? <laughs> okay, different kind yeah, of fantasy. I know. Sorry. Or, or recently married. Let's, let's go. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, the recently, recently married. married yeah, that, Fred, I'm going to help you out. Fred, I'm going to help you out. We're going to protect the innocent on this one. <laughs> let's move along Thank you. here. Uh, all right. Hey, Chet. Before we get to our picks for the week, uh, how did we do last week? Because I know. Somebody had the Vikings at Atlanta. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tough week for all of us, but especially for Fred and me, it's true, because we both went one and three as the Eagles, Redskins, and Falcons all came up short. But, yes, Bill, you correctly picked Minnesota to beat Atlanta, so you were two and two. That means you now have a two-game lead over Fred and a three-game lead over me with four weeks to go. Mm. All right. Well, let's get to our picks. Uh, since you have decided you're trying to throw some things around here to make it a little bit easier on yourself by adding a couple games, let's uh, out of, outside of the NFCs. Let's get to them. All right, we're going. We've thrown out the Redskins, so we're going Thursday night football. New Orleans <laughs> at Atlanta. Saints minus one. Fred. New Orleans at Atlanta. Saints minus one. Hmm. Tough one there. Tough I'm one. going to um Tough one. Oh, under your you want to root for the Falcons cuz of the Eagle. Oh, I guess it goes both ways. I'm going to I'm going to go with uh that running game of the Saints. I'm I'm going to take the Saints favored on the road um against the Falcons. We'll go Saints. Yeah, that is a real tough one, Saints Falcons, but I think the Saints have been playing better than the Falcons overall lately, so I'm going to go with Drew Brees and company Thursday night. Saints. Yeah, I'm not thinking this is a tough one. I'm going Saints all the way. As I told you last okay. week when I picked Minnesota, I'm, I'm not about that Atlanta. I can't seem to get them right. But uh, I got them right to lose last week. I'm going to get them right to lose again this week. <laughs> okay. Next. Minnesota at Carolina. Carolina minus two and a half, Fred. Or is it Minnesota um, minus I'm, two I'm and a half? I'm going to go. Okay, I thought I had Minnesota two, minus two. It doesn't matter. We're picking it even up anyway, so. Uh, so, I'm going to go – I'm going to take uh, Carolina here. I, I uh, think uh, Cam Newton's – like, he's always on a roller coaster, and I, I think he's very overrated, but I think he's due for, like, one of them high good games. So, I'm going to go Carolina. Plus, I think the defense of the Panthers uh, may be able to cool Case Keenum down a bit. Um and for rooting interest as well, I'm I'm obviously rooting for the Panthers too. So I'm going to go Panthers here. Yeah, you know, the rooting interest thing really throws this one because you kind of want the Panthers to win, beat the Vikings, which would help the Eagles. But you got to go with what you think is really going to happen. So I think it's going to be a real good defensive battle down in Charlotte. Eagles fans, yeah, we'll root for the Panthers. But Minnesota is playing extremely well, and I've got to go with my head and say Vikings win this one. 
Well, hey, Chad, I guess uh, you are correct. Um, not only is it <laughs> okay. Minnesota two and a half, but it's now Minnesota three. So it's gone uh-huh. up since uh, just a little bit. Uh-huh. You are correct, Minnesota minus three in this game. And okay. I am going to go. I'm, I'm going to roll with Minnesota. They're playing good. I'm going to stick with them. It's at three now. Oh man! Yep. No, I got Minnesota I minus got. three. Minnesota yep. minus three. All right, and still even more pathetic than before. The New York Football Giants host Dallas. Dallas minus four. Cowboys minus four. The return of Eli Manning with head coach Steve Spagnola. <laughs> I'm going G-Men. The G-Men are going to get a win this week. They're going to uh, rally around the coach and Eli, and they're going to get a win this week. I'm going Giants. Uh, Man, you know, I would love to see the Giants rally around Spagnolo and the the back-in-the-fold Eli Manning, but I just don't know that they're good enough. I hope I'm wrong, actually, but I think the Cowboys win a close one at MetLife Stadium. I'm picking Dallas. Well, I don't know how you could possibly pick anybody but Dallas. New York is pathetic. <laughs> pathetic. I've been telling you that for weeks. They stink. Putting Eli Manning back in on a 2-10 and 10 football team is not going to cause them to beat anybody, let alone a division game against the Cowboys. It ain't happening. They stink. <laughs> okay. Dallas. All right. Did I say they stink? I think so. Every week you have. <laughs> yes, I have. Eagles visit the Rams in L.A. Rams minus two and a half. Isn't it funny that the Eagles go out and they're they're favorites at Seattle and now they're underdogs against the Rams in uh, what could be a home game in L.A. for the Birds? This this game is – is not. I originally went into it like, hey, the Eagles are going to get this. I'm not very overly concerned about Seattle. But watching that line, it opened up as a pick them. All the money, from what I've read, is on the Eagles, yet they're still moving it to – to, to, uh, it went from pick them to two and a half for the uh, Rams, which means they're, they want the Eagle, people to keep betting the Eagles, which does give me a concern. But there's one thing that we got that's different than, than any other year and any other time, and, and you, never, you never bet against uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots, and eventually it's going to be to the point that you never bet against Carson Wentz. Because of Carson alone, um, I'm going to take the Eagles out there. Um, it's going to be a close one. I'll take the Eagles by three. Hmm. Well, yeah, now that the Eagles have that second loss of the season in the books, I think the Birds will refocus and put it all together, or at least enough of it together, to pull out a win with several thousand Birds fans in the stadium. I'm going to say Eagles win this one 27-20. to 20. Well, and I, too, think the Eagles are going to bounce back. I think they're going to play well. I think Carson Wentz had a not-real-good game. I think he's going to bounce back well. And I'm going 27-23 Eagles. So, Bill, you and I have the same exact picks, and that means that we have four road teams winning in our picks on Sunday, which is pretty wild, and that's probably not going to happen. But we'll see. Fred has uh, two Well, as long as that last one does, it'll be okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I think we'll all take losses in this little fun pool we have as long as that, that green team wins. You got it. All right, Fred. Well, hey, uh, I think that about covers us for a week. We'll talk to you again next week. Just Sounds next good. Week. Go Birds. Hey, hey, Fred, you know what? You know what? Next week we're going to yep. talk a little Sixers with you too when you're on. Oh, I would love to do that. Can I? Uh, yeah, next I'll save it for next week. Hopefully, to have a good week, yep. so it can be a positive talk. All right, you got it. Have a good week, Fred. All right, see you. All right, hey Chad, let's let's continue our Eagles discussion for just a few minutes. Uh, I wanted to ask you. You threw the. I was going to ask you about the running back, but you threw that out there already. But I wanted to throw out about the wide receiver and that Nelson Aguilar. How about it? Oh, that was certainly his best game. He was the one real bright spot for the Eagles on Sunday night. Uh, a couple of real good catches. It's a shame Wentz overthrew him those other two plays. But, yeah, he hung in there. He caught the ball. He had yards after catch. He had a touchdown. Uh, certainly looking good. And, you know, on the flip side, they made him 
the slot guy this year because they traded away Jordan Matthews, and now Jordan Matthews is done for the season. Uh, he's had injury problems all year. He ended up with just 25 catches, and now he won't be seeing any more field time this year. So, once again, Howie's looking like a genius. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, g- great job by the Eagles in, in getting him in situations where he's he's open. Uh, as you mentioned, he is catching the ball much better and getting getting yardage after the catch. Um, gr- great job by them. Now, the flip side, it looks like that, uh, Zach Ertz could be out. He's in his second, uh, whatever they call it, second stage protocol of the concussion. Uh, don't know if we're going to have him back on Sunday. That'll be a big loss. Yeah, I saw a report today that he was able to attend the meetings, at least. So that's a good sign. Um, so he's at least well enough that he can attend the meetings. We'll see if he gets on the field for practice later in the week or gets cleared to at least be a game-time decision. The good thing is, you know, they still have Selleck and Trey Burton behind him. So I'm not overly concerned about it. I think they can still win with him sideline if that be the case. Hey, the other thing we didn't talk about is uh, the fact that Alshon Jeffrey has a new deal, a four-year contract. I think it's $27 million guaranteed money. So what do you think about keeping Alshon Jeffrey around? I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I think there's probably a lot of stuff that we don't know sitting here on the outside that's going on with uh, the Aguilars and all them of the world. Uh, I don't think you'll see Torrey Smith get any kind of deal. But no. I think no. uh, locking Jeffrey up and, and building the receiving core around him, uh, I like it. Yeah, me too, because he and Wentz have clearly uh, hit it off a lot better in recent weeks. So I think they are growing that relationship, and I think there's a couple of good years ahead for that combination. Yeah, one last thing I wanted to hit you up on. I don't know if you got to see the, the nightly news here at 6 o'clock or anything, but uh, those fires out there are pretty serious to the point that uh, the Rams did not were not able to fully practice today. They just did a walkthrough. Um, how do you see that playing if the Rams aren't able to practice much all week? Yeah, that's scary. I, I don't know what the latest is, but I, I did hear and see what you just mentioned, the fact that they had to cancel their practice today. Uh, the fire is getting dangerously close to a lot of, you know, more heavily populated residential areas. So a scary situation for sure, and, you know, hopefully they can get that under control within the next couple of days, and hopefully it won't affect the Rams too much more this week or certainly the game. Yeah, people were losing houses, big houses, multi-million dollar houses. That yep. fire's right up against the highways out there. It's uh, Sorry situation, yeah. Bad. Yeah, I saw, and, uh, my, far, far I saw pictures. A football game. saw the pictures of people yeah. driving down the highway with, you know, the, the fire raging uh, down the horizon. It's very scary. Yeah. Well, hey, Chet, I wanted to uh, shift gears a little bit. And, and quietly here in December, the Phillies have just completed their coaching staff, all except one. Did you even know? I did know that. Yeah, I saw the headline. I didn't read the story in detail. And to be honest, without an article in front of me, I couldn't tell you one thing about any of the new hires other than I saw that the new bench coach spent a lot of years as a Yankees coach. That's about it. But, hey, the good news, Bob McClure is gone. Well, maybe. Here's some names I'm going to run by you. Of course, Gabe Kapler is the manager of very limited managerial experience. Rob Thompson, as you mentioned, is now over as the bench coach from the Yankees. Rick Kranitz is the pitching coach. Chris Young is the assistant pitching coach. Jim Gott is the bullpen coach. Dusty Watham, who we do know, will coach third base. John Malley is the hitting coach. And Pedro Guerrero is the assistant hitting coach. The only open position is the first base coach. Chet, this reminds me of the old movie line from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Who are those guys? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we don't really know. They could be great or they could be just guys. I mean, I guess we'll find out between April and October of 2018. Uh, who knows? I mean, you just never know with these kind of hires. They they could pan out. They could Half of them could be flops. I don't know. But speaking of the Phillies, Bill, I was down at the ballpark last Saturday for their annual Majestic Clubhouse store event with Fanta Claus, some reindeer, all the broadcasters. So good to catch up with T-Mac, who does a little season preview interview with us every spring. And also, I got to say hello to Ben Davis, Scott Fransky, Greg Murphy, and Larry Anderson. L.A. always compliments me on my ability to take a double selfie with him every year. So he's impressed <laughs> by the fact that I use a traditional camera for my photos. Uh, well, you know, he, he doesn't know how much practice you get during the year. <laughs> that is true. And you know what else? No wheels, no Chris Wheeler, because as you 
pointed out to me, I didn't know you until you pointed out, Chris Wheeler is now officially retired after, what, 47 years or so with the Phillies organization. So I texted Wheels over the weekend, and I said, you know, that I was at the event, and it just wasn't the same without him there. It seemed very odd. And he said, yeah, it was odd for him, too, because he's always there. He said it felt very, very strange not to be there that weekend. But Wheels said he will gladly come on our show again sometime in February or March to talk a little baseball. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, one, th- one thing I did want to point out to you about this coaching staff that I think is kind of interesting, and we'll see how it plays out. You know, they have, just like the Eagles have quarterback coaches throughout their, their staff, the Phillies have added three pitching coaches in this staff. So they have a pitching coach, an assistant pitching coach, and the bullpen coach are all pitchers. So obviously uh, they know what it's going to take, and uh, we'll see how this plays out. But they got three guys as the Eagles have a – a quarterback coach, a offensive coordinator, and a head coach who are all quarterback experience. Yeah, and clearly pitching is going to be a priority for this staff. I mean, I think they have a pretty good one through eight lineup, but uh, beyond NOLA, there's a lot of question marks in terms of those young pitchers still. So hopefully these new hires will help, but we'll see. As you referenced Bob McClure. Yes. (laughs) Glad to see him gone. Uh, I know you are. Hey, well, listen, it's random thoughts time, Chet, and tonight I only have three topics for you, uh, but you're going to have to think a little bit about these. You might even need more than 30 seconds to answer each. Uh, You ready for this? I'm always ready. All right. How about the NFL challenge rules? How do they get them wrong? (laughs) That continues to amaze me, Bill. I mean, it happens way too frequently. Although I don't have a good answer as to why they mess it up so often. We can watch the replay 17 times and say, oh, yeah, it's definitely this. And then they'll announce, you know, the opposite. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Well, I can tell you this, and I don't know if you saw this because I saw it on Twitter. Somebody took that lateral play and broke it down frame by frame. And what, what looked like a very clear why didn't you challenge type play, frame by frame, that ball did not go behind the line. Yeah, a lot of people were complaining about that, you know, the next day that it was an obvious challenge. It wasn't to me. I mean, I watched some of those same things that night and the next day, and it was not a lock that it was going to be ruled uh, forward lateral. So, yeah, I, that was a tough one. And I, I can understand why he would not want to burn a timeout there because it was a close game still, and you might need that timeout if you're – you know, not successful in the challenge. So I think people were a little hard on Doug about that one. Well, and he had already lost one timeout to a bad challenge that should have been a good challenge. Yeah, so he would have been down to one timeout. He put the game in in his defense's hands, and they didn't get it done. Okay, next up, Penn State's Saquon Barkley seemed to have the Heisman to lose, and he did. He's not even invited to New York as a finalist. Yeah, that's disappointing for sure. I mean, I'm not totally shocked, however, because Barkley started off the season like a lead pipe cinch, not just to be a finalist, but that he would win the award. But then he did tail off considerably in the second half of the season. His numbers were pretty average, in fact, over the last four or five games. So I'm not shocked. I I do still believe, though, he'll be a high first-round draft pick and that he'll do well wherever he goes. Well, and he is number one on Mel Kuyper's big board. He's the he's the first pick in the draft, according to Mr. Kuyper. Wow. I didn't realize yep. he was that high. I thought he'd be top five, but number one, huh? Wow. Number one so far. So we'll see. Obviously, it depends on who has what, you know, where, where right. their need is. But uh, Exactly. That's what he's got rated as the number one player. Last one. Is Big V the answer at left tackle for the future for the Birds? <laughs> It's kind of like when I used to turn in a homework assignment while missing a page of questions, but the the teacher would take pity on me and give me an incomplete. I'm going to give Vitae an incomplete. He's had some good games, but Sunday night was not one of them. We need to see more. So I think there's still potential there. He's had uh, a lot of pretty decent games, like I said, but let's see how he does over the important final four games of the season. Then we'll know more. Absolutely. Well, we'll see. Didn't have his best game the other night, but – We'll see. Hey, let me squeeze one in while we have. Let let me squeeze one in while we have time. You mentioned Penn State a moment ago. Are you okay, first of all, with their bowl matchup, December thirtieth, Fiesta Bowl against number eleven Washington? 
Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be a heck of a game. Washington's a good football team. Chris Peterson is a heck of a football coach. He's the guy that was at Boise State before he went to Washington. Heck of a coach, good team, good matchup. I like it. And do you have a parting shot tonight, by the way? Is it about college football? It is not. Okay, then I'll ask you this, because don't, we don't rehearse these things, as you know. So my question here is, did the powers that be get it right with the four playoff teams, Georgia versus Oklahoma and Bama versus Clemson? Oh, funny you ask, because I was going to ask you that as one of the random thoughts, but I didn't because I know you don't really uh, follow it that close. Yes, um, you follow it more closely. That's why I asked you, Mr. Furman. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you, um, I am not happy about it. Uh, the way it turned out, I think it turned out to be the lesser of all the evils got in. Uh, but I am not in favor of anybody that does not win their division, who can't make it to their championship game, who's sitting home eating chips, watching everybody else have to play their way in, get a bye, and get in. I didn't like it last year. I don't like it this year. Um, nothing personal about Alabama. I just don't think that that's the scenario anybody should have to advance to a championship when you're sitting at home and couldn't win your own division. So the flip side is I get it on Ohio State. They got beat by 35 or whatever it was. Um, certainly that's not a resume that, that warrants anything. And, and then the other side is I definitely think there's a East Coast bias in the fact that USC never even got into the conversation when there is equally, you know, they, don't, they have a flawed resume as well, but they uh, are – as equally deserving as Ohio State or Alabama, in my opinion. Quit, quit sucking up to John Roberts. It's not necessary. No. No, they won the West. They, uh, they, they deserved at least to be looked at a little bit. I but, am. hey, good question. I appreciate that. I was going to ask you the same thing. Hey, Chad, another great guest tonight with Keith. Uh, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? We got anybody lined up? Well, that's also an incomplete, uh, yet to be confirmed, so we don't know. But I do have somebody in mind, and I think he will gladly join us, and uh, we'll have an announcement probably Sunday or Monday. All right. Sounds good. How about a parting shot? Do you have one? I do. Bill, the holiday season is a wonderful time of the year, and it's also a time when many charities do some of their most important work, and that includes a lot of folks in our Philly Press Box radio circle. Mike Barnes and Michael and Ellen Barkan continue to do terrific things at the Barkan Foundation for families in need. Kudos to our buddy Frank for all that he and his family and friends do in their mission to feed and clothe the homeless. 24 years' worth. Carl's Cards frequently dom, uh, donates sports memorabilia for fundraising events, having been a big part of various functions like Treats for Troops and the Hamels Foundation Diamonds and Denim. Sharon Snyder at the Kisses for Kyle Foundation does some great work to help families impacted by childhood cancer. And remember last month we had Nick from WMMR's Preston and Steve show on with us? Well, they had their 20th annual Camp Out for Hunger all last week. I was there on Thursday. And wait till you hear their final numbers. Donations totaled 1.68 million pounds of food and $273,000 cash, all of which will allow for 2.2 million meals through Phil Abundance. Fantastic job by all involved and everyone who donated. All of the great work by all of those I mentioned and numerous other great charities that I didn't will make for a happier holiday season for many. Awesome. Appreciate all those people out there doing that. It takes special people to dedicate their time, no doubt. All right, Mr. Chesko, I have a parting shot myself, and I scratch my head to try to remember when people could watch a sporting event and it still be fun. I'm going to blame it on social media and the fact that there's now an audience to listen to everyone's opinion. As each play unfolds, we now know this player stinks, this coach stinks, this ref stinks. It seems that at the end of every play or every game, it has already been analyzed by everyone with a keyboard. And when the fans' team loses, there's always blame to pass out. It's nearly never we got beat by a team that outplayed us. Is this a fun way to watch a game? I thoroughly enjoyed the Eagles-Seahawks game Sunday night, and my team didn't win. There were plenty of good plays made and plenty of mistakes made, too, that are going to make the games going forward even better. If you wanted to pass out blame, you could. But I choose to look at it as a great challenge on the road by a team that is now 10-2 and in complete control of their own destiny. I'm going to sit back and watch it unfold. It's going to be relaxing and fun to me. 
I'm with you. All right. With that, Mr. Chesko, we've reached the top of the hour, and we'd like to thank our special guest, Keith Pompey, Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, December 13th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Philly Press Box Radio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.